Plundergrounds, Plundergrounds, welcome back to a brand new show. Ray's gonna take you where you didn't know you wanted to go. Fantasy and dungeon delve, science fiction, watch yourselves. Hi everyone, I'm Ray Otis and it's time for another Plundergrounds. Today I have just some random topics that have been occurring to me and I have been turning on my phone whenever they come up you know, three to five minute bits. They mostly surround old school rules, old school games, old school play, and ways to maybe bring a little bit of a new twist. It's funny that we've come full circle here that, um, you know, retro is has been in for a while because people recognize what's great about those old systems. I think that's partly a, treat, a retreat from the complexity of some modern versions of those same games that have um, tried to make rules about everything um, or amplify stuff to the point where it just feels like it's too much. And so we take the um, Ralph Waldo Emerson mantra, simplify, simplify to heart. Oops, silly me. That is Henry David Thoreau, not Ralph Waldo Emerson. I got my three name early Americans mixed up. Now back to my original train of thought. And try to go back to old games and find the roots there and what the joy was in the roots. But then in doing that, um, we experienced some of the, the awkward corners of those old school games and we try to tweak them um, and we enter again into that path towards complexity. So the trick is to smooth out the rough corners of those games without changing things too much um, and without adding more complexity. And a lot of people have done that very well. There's some really good games out there that have done that. Um, one of the most obvious kind of tweaks is uh, reducing that uh, save table in that has, I don't know, six, five or six or seven entries for um, you know breath weapons and paralyzation and wands and all that kind of stuff into uh, one unified save mechanic, often uh, roll under versus your ability, whichever ability gets targeted. But uh, so it's interesting that we, you know, to say that again, we're going back to old rules, but we're adding complexity, or at least we're changing those rules. It's, it's I guess it's a different evolutionary path, isn't it? Um, I think we're rejecting the evolutionary path that has led to fifth edition, which is a great game. Um, but instead saying, you know, what if you go back to the roots of the game and grow it in a different direction? What does it become? And the answer to that is uh, some games that we see out there, like the Black Hack, like uh, Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells, like Into the Odd, like Beyond the Wall, like uh, Troika, or um, uh, Adventure Conqueror King, or I'm trying to name as many as I can off the top of my head. There's so many. <laughs> Dungeon Crawl Classics. Um so and it's a it's a very fertile and interesting field and it's what's funny is that those games in it, because they have respected the original material have more in common than not meaning when you're playing one system and you get up from that table and you go to another table playing a different system um, if they're in that same evolutionary family you kind of already know how to play that other game, don't you? So if you've played BX, uh, you don't have any problem adjusting to Dungeon Crawl Classics. If you've played Dungeon Crawl Classics, you don't have any problem adjusting to Into the Odd. If you've played Into the Odd, you can pick up Maze Rats. Um, those are radically different games, and yet they're built on the same bones. Uh, 
I don't think I'm alone in saying that I don't love the way that spells are done in D&D. It's non-intuitive. You know, I'm a third-level wizard, but I don't have access to third-level spells, um, among other things. <laughs> and I wanted to talk about a couple different ways that I've seen it done, I think, better. Uh, the first one, maybe not my favorite, although it's the most intuitive, which is to just simply match it up so that if you're third-level wizard, you get third-level spells. If you're a seventh-level wizard, you get seventh-level spells. And I think games like Black Hack do that. I could be wrong. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the Black Hack does that. And I'm, there's another game that I've seen recently that does that, and I'm trying very hard to remember what it was, but it's not coming to my brain. Um, and I assume they either let wizards be more powerful or they just reorganize the spells to to match. So that's one way of doing it, and that's an, a nice intuitive way of doing it. Another way of doing it that I really like is the way Dungeon Crawl Classics does it, which is every wizard has access to every spell, but every spell is... Uh, scaled along a chart so that as you're a lower level wizard, you roll a smaller die on the chart and you get lesser effects. And as you gain in power, you can uh, get larger dice and get bigger effects. And of course, in Dungeon Crawl Classics, you also have Spell Burn, which allows you to burn up uh, your ability points to buy your way up that scaled chart, which is a cool effect of the game. Uh, it gives you a nice push your luck mechanic, if you will. Maybe one of my favorite ways of doing it, though, comes from uh, the Melee Wizard, the Fantasy Trip uh, area by Steve Jackson, that design. And they arrange spells by intelligence level. And this solves another problem that I don't really love about old school rules, which is the prime requisite. I've never been a fan of that. It seems like double punishment. It's bad enough if you don't have a high score in your prime requisite for the class you choose, which isn't really very wise to choose that class to begin with. But then to add insult to injury, um, those who do have the high score get a bonus XP. And that just seems like more calculation that's unnecessary. XP is unnecessarily fiddly anyway, in my opinion. Um, so I like the way Wizard does that, or the Fantasy Trip does that, in that you're rewarded for having a higher point value in your intelligence by getting access to higher level spells. And there's something about that that just seems right to me that it, um, I guess it's that nature versus nurture thing, isn't it? Because if you rank them by intelligence, it's saying that what matters is your natural ability. Um, and of course, you can increase that a little bit in D&D &D circles through, um, well, it depends on which system you're playing. But a lot of systems give you plus one to an ability after so many levels. And so it's both study and nature, but it's more nature than study. It's basically what you rolled at the beginning of the game that determines the spell level you can access. Whereas in um, Dungeon Crawl Classics and Black Hack and some of the others, it's more about growth. So you get access to better and higher level spells as you grow. So I guess it depends on where you fall on that spectrum, but those are several different ways of doing spells that I really like. In fact, it just occurred to me that in the fantasy trip, or at least in wizard, I, I use those interchangeably because I'm used to melee and wizard, the pocket games. Um, I never really played the fantasy trip after it was developed into one larger rule set. So in wizard, you don't roll for your stats. You actually point by your stats at the beginning of the game, which is important because your intelligence uh, determines what level of spell you can access, but your uh, physical stat 
um, is what you drain when you're casting spells. So it really is a neat little system. And it also occurs to me that you could kind of hybridize the wizard system with the DCC system and allow wizards to access spells that are higher than their intelligence level, but at increased danger. You know, use the difference between their level and the level of the spell they're casting as a modifier to a roll. Um, and if they fail that spell casting roll, it could cause some serious backlash. I had a weird thought the other day about higher level characters, XP, and aging. I'm not really a fan of playing D&D past the 10th or 12th level. Now, many of you are, and I'm not. there's no offense there, and I wouldn't be opposed to being involved in a game that um, maybe started higher than that, where you play kind of godlike characters. But at that point, I think you're playing a superhero RPG um, set in a fantasy world as opposed to D&D. That's just... That's a probably controversial opinion, um, but it's the way my brain runs. So what I was thinking was uh, that it would be fun to set up a system that after 12th level in classic D&D terms, XP actually erodes your ability. In other words, aging starts to take effect at that point. And it really doesn't matter how old your character is because experience is a measure of your exposure to the rough and tumble life of the dungeon. It could mean that you've gotten older. Certainly you have gotten older in, in, um, in the game fiction, but you may have gotten a lot older or you may have had a lot of adventuring in a short amount of time and essentially, uh, ridden your body hard and put it away wet as it were. No, there, um, sorry for the incidental noises, but that's my dog's collar. So if you ever hear that shaking noise in my podcast, it sounds like a, a high-pitched rattlesnake or something. It's <laughs> it's my dog nervously twitching. Uh, so I just think that's a cool idea that um, after, and it seems funny to punish people for gaining XP after 12th level, but if they want to keep adventuring with that character who is super powerful, I think it makes it interesting because it challenges them by starting to erode their abilities. So you take whatever aging chart is suitable for your game, whether they lose points of abilities, whether they start having um, problems like memory issues, which would affect wizards or um, whatever it is, implement some sort of aging routine so that they play essentially old farts in the dungeon. Now, this actually speaks to a, a project that I have going with Plundergrounds. Issue 8 is going to be Rusty Swords. I keep planting my flag on Rusty Swords and saying that the next one is going to be Rusty Swords, and I keep uh, missing that mark. I think it's because the idea is so important to me that it becomes hard to address, and so I've had to kind of keep pushing it aside until I get... Um, jaded enough about it that I can actually tackle it wholeheartedly without trying to be so precious about it. But I want to make a dungeon crawl game or experience that is a bit like movies like Space Cowboys or Red or um, maybe I haven't seen The Expendables, but maybe that one fits too. But basically uh, has-beens going back into the dungeon one last time uh, because they have to. I think actually the the better reference point for me is Unforgiven because it's not a comedy, but it's this idea that um, you're an aging, uh, really, I don't want to say washed up, but like scarred, a scarred veteran of the dungeons. Um, and your, your smart brain says, stay out, don't get back in. 
but there's some crisis situation that makes you have to go back one more time. And I like this idea. I mean, so if you have a 12th level super powerful character, you know, uh, your brain should be telling you, retire, set up your fortress, build your wizard tower, get out of the game while you still can. You beat Vegas, walk away. <laughs> but if you keep playing, you're going to play, you know, with increasing challenges. And that's way more exciting to me than trying to attain godhood or whatever. And I could I could even see combining those. Let's let's say you have a quest for immortality and uh you're aging at the same time. That makes it even more important that you find some sort of ascendancy into demigod status where you um where the aging effects stop or you maybe compromise and become a lich or something like that. Um Wow, there's a lot of there's a lot of power in that. A lot more power than simply uh, leveling up, you know, time after time and experiencing more of the same thing that you experienced at lower levels, but uh, on steroids. So there you go. Um, I hope you're looking forward to Rusty Swords. I know a lot of people are. I'm sorry I haven't delivered on that yet. I really am excited about that idea. Um, expressing it in Dungeon World is interesting. There's just so many different ways you could go. But I think in an OSR system, it becomes a little easier. Like I said, I would basically put a limit, whatever it is, 10th level, 12th level, um, 13th, 14th, whatever, wherever you want to stick that. I think the sweet spot somewhere is in that 10 to 12 range, though. And then you create an aging table, and you start applying those effects on XP. And there's no way... It's funny because it reverses the whole XP thing. Usually characters adventure to get XP, and now they'd be adventuring to avoid XP. And if you tie XP to gold and monster defeats, then you could really have something there. Um, characters would have to eschew wealth um, because that brings more trouble and stress to their life and also more danger. Um, and if you don't think you get uh, become more of a target as you get more money, then you really haven't ever <laughs> observed real life and how that happens. Um, rich people are not stress-free. Um, they are very stressed out and less happy than people who have less money. It's hard to believe, but it's true. They're also less generous and, and many other things. So, um, But that's a whole other topic. So you have to eschew wealth a little bit, and you have to maybe find ways around monsters without actually defeating them. Um, you have to build alliances or compromise or sneak past or whatever. Now, I know some people give out XP rewards for dealing with a monster indirectly, like sneaking around them. I would recommend that if you pull this method out of your hat, that you stop doing that and basically only give them XP if they kill a monster or if they take treasure. Um, and uh, that way it gives them a chance to avoid that XP by living a little bit softer life, one that's friendlier to their aging, adventuring body. Um, there's a lot of ideas in there, and I hope it sparks some for you. I like to give out homework, so um, <laughs> if you if you want to call in and tell me about how you would handle this idea of adventuring beyond 10th to the 12th level without going the classic um, path to godhood route um, and, and how you might play on the ideas that I've, I've just exposed, um, please call in and tell me about it. So what the heck was today about? Honestly, I don't know. I just had these thoughts running around in my head. Uh, it sounds like I'm designing a fantasy heartbreaker. I don't know. Maybe. Um, I keep toying around with the idea of combining the things I like from Dungeon World and uh, looking at some house rules that I would make to BXE and putting them together in one little supplement book to the BX Essentials line that is essentially my house rule compendium or kind of a stylistic take on BXE without actually... Uh, really changing the core rules. Well, 
yes, changing the core rules, but not interfering with those books so that you could still use, for instance, the spell book or the monster book or whatever, as is, um, maybe even the core rules book as is, and just have this extra booklet as a, well, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I've already, I've already designed (laughs) two micro games that are fantasy heartbreakers. Um, maybe three, if you count there and back again, I wrote sorcerers and cell swords, which I love actually. I think it really does something different than D and D. So I'm, I'm proud of that one. And then I wrote another one called flash fantasy, uh, which used the minimal D six system to, essentially make a fast play set of rules uh, to go through traditional Dungeons and Dragons modules. But, um, and that one, you know, I I know people play too. So I think every game has its place and time. Um, I'm not sure where these ideas are going. Maybe they're just thoughts and uh, they're things that you can take away and use or, um, I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes things are just okay uh, being open-ended, right? Um, I guess that's true. That always makes me uncomfortable, but there it is. (laughs) In any case, I'm Ray Otis, and this has been another Plundergrounds. You can find links to all my stuff at www.rayotis.com. That's R-A-Y-O-T-U-S. A huge thanks to Logan Howard of the excellent Swordbreaker Zine and Podcast for my opening theme music. And seems like I'm forgetting something. Who else do I need to thank? I'm missing something. Oh, oh, I know what I'm missing. Until next time, look out for rust monsters.